0: So join me in the word of prayer. Gracious and heavenly God, we just say thank you. Be with us this morning. Guide us. Dear Lord, thank you for allowing me to be a vessel of your word. Dear Lord, uh, just guide my thoughts, my heart, my word, uh, my words. Um, Let them bring honor to you. Live this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we start this uh series uh journey to the cross uh, this is this reminder uh that even though uh, the the people uh the disciples that follow Jesus Christ those who were with him regularly didn't immediately see um the the necessity of the cross in his uh journey um right away Jesus very much knew uh that his his journey that his mission uh would lead him to uh, the cross, and I believe that there is things that we can uh glean as we look at uh particular passages um over the next few weeks um from Jesus christ's journey to the cross and his eventual triumph over death uh today, I want to start that journey um in mark chapter one verse 9 through 15. So Mark chapter 1, verse 9 through 15, reads as follows. It says, At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son who I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, uh, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and the angels attended to him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Uh, The sermon title for today um, is simply this, from water to wilderness, from water to wilderness. And I'm really going to focus particularly on verses nine through 12. I remember as a kid, my mom had this saying that she would often say uh, when I was being uh, stubborn or if somehow I had not gotten some lesson that she had wanted me to get, she would say, "Uh, Xavier, it is apparent to me that you don't believe that fat meat is greasy. Xavier, you don't believe that fat meat is greasy. Now, I'm sure that there are some scientific components of that, uh, the level of grease and uh, things of that nature and fatty meats. But I think the point that my mom was trying to get across to me um, at a young age is that no matter how often she tried to steer me in the right direction, no matter how often she tried to warn me about something, no matter how often she tried to give me tools um, to help me be better prepared for things that I was going to um, endure or interact with, um, whether it was me being stubborn, whether it was me being hard headed, whether it was maybe I just didn't listen. I often found myself unprepared for the things that she tried to protect me against. Thus, her often saying, "It seems that you don't believe that fat meat is greasy. Uh, The reason that I share this thought is because no matter how much uh, we are warned or told um, that our faith journey will be full of trials, uh, no matter how many times it's in scripture, as a matter of fact, uh, Job chapter 14 and one says, man, that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. We are reminded throughout scripture. We are reminded throughout the biblical story. If we look at our forefathers and our foremothers and the champions of the faith, that our belief and our journey in Christ, Christ, though it is full of joys and triumph and ending and victory, that it is often also marked with struggle. Uh, that we will find ourselves at the point that we step into the waters of baptism and and, and, and are imbued with the Holy Spirit, that oftentimes our journey will feel much like that of being in the wilderness. And no matter how many times we read it or hear it or see it, it is amazing to me how distraught many of us get when life gets difficult or when uh, monkey wrenches get thrown in our plans as if we didn't know that it was coming. We don't believe that fat meat is greasy. I look at this text today as an example of the the, the, the way in which uh, we should uh, understand at least some aspect of our faith journey Uh, Because much like the journey that we experience, Jesus goes from the waters of baptism to the wilderness. Uh, The gospel writer Mark uh, doesn't waste time uh, with long, uh, drawn out lineages like uh, Matthew. He doesn't uh, take the time to be poetic and super theological, like John, who says in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. He he doesn't tell some uh, nativity story. Uh, Mark simply gets straight to the point. He begins uh, reminding us and talking about John, John who prepared the way for Jesus Christ, and then he quickly makes the transition by saying, at this time, Jesus from Nazareth. One of the reasons that Mark is able to accomplish this feat, one of the reasons why he is able to make this transition so quickly is because those who uh, were reading Mark's gospel at the time were able to catch his nuance and his hints. He didn't have to Overly explained, he didn't have to uh, go into too much detail because we understand uh, that the Jews of that time, uh, the, the the textbook for the Jewish student was the Old Testament scriptures and writings. That, that, that most of the time, like we see in Acts, that the early Christian church devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles and the scriptures. And so they pretty much understood every reference that Mark uh, would go on to make and he didn't have to go into too much detail. Like many of us, if we hear a couple of words or a couple of melodic phrases from our favorite songs or the things to our TV show, our favorite TV shows, it doesn't take us long to figure out what that is. If I say seven seven three. I'm sure somebody at home finished that jingle, or one that's even older than that. If I said 58823, you guys know what that is. Maybe for some of my older folks, if I say, (whistles) You see, I'm struggling up here whistling, but you all will remember what TV show that's the thing, song two. It's embedded. Um, in our memories and embedded in our minds. And so uh, in a similar fashion for the Jewish audience and for the early Christian Gentile audience uh, that was reading this gospel, Mark was able to get straight to the point uh, because they would understand the references that he was making. So, brothers and sisters, for our purposes today, I think that there's a couple of things that we need to understand uh, that Mark was doing, excuse me, in these very few verses. If we look at, again, chapter one, verses nine through 12, Mark is establishing three things. Mark is establishing in these three verses, Mark is establishing three things things that it took the other gospel writers' full chapters to establish. The first thing that we see is this um, in chapter 1, verse 10, where it says, Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. The very first thing that we see that Mark is establishing that is that Jesus Christ is the bearer of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that once hovered over the earth, awaiting for God's divine word to give it direction uh, to shape and form the world that we know, now found itself descending on Jesus like a dove. Uh, But instead of coming to create, uh, it was coming to liberate the earth from the stranglehold of sin through the mission and ministry of Jesus Christ. This graceful descending onto Jesus the Christ that was compared to the peacefulness of a dove was an indication to those who heard it that this was pointing to the beginning of this gospel And the new creation that would come along with it, except for this time, the creation that was to come was not God calling the waters or separating the heavens from the earth or creating animals or creating humans. But this time, what this spirit was coming to do was to transform humanity. A humanity that had been fallen and succumbed to sin. A humanity that was so distraught that it needed the works of a Savior to come and deliver it. When uh, Mark then says that he saw heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove, those who were reading this would then understand that the Jesus Christ that Mark was pointing to, Jesus Christ who was baptized by John the Baptist, was in fact the one who was empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the mission on this earth. The Holy Spirit that Jesus will later send to be our helper and our guide, the Holy Spirit uh, that dwells in each of us, this Holy Spirit descended on Jesus Christ as the heavens tore open. We know that when the heavens tore, tear open, that God is getting ready to speak. And so as the heavens tear open and the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus Christ peacefully like a dove, we also see the second thing that Mark is trying to establish. We first see again that he is the bearer of the Holy Spirit, but we now see um, in verse 11 where it says, And a voice came from heaven, 'You are my son, who I love with you. I am pleased. You are my son, who I love with you. I am pleased. Mark does not specifically or explicitly state why Jesus Christ was baptized. It is probably somewhat confusing for many of us because as we consider uh, what baptism does for us as it washes us and cleanses us of our sins, is it making us new? Why does the sinless, perfect son of God Need to be baptized, well one, we can uh understand then first and foremost that this baptism that Jesus Christ partakes in is not a baptism of me but it is a baptism of choice, but scholars also like to point to the fact that, as we look at repentance. First and foremost, as a turning away from sin, repentance is also an intentional turning to God. Uh, so what it most likely means is that in this moment, as Jesus Christ uh, is setting the example for us or setting the way for us as he submits himself to This baptism is this physical, uh, this physical act of turning toward God and saying to God, I am submitting myself to the mission that you have put me on. Jesus is now joining in the work of his father. Much like Moses uh, shared the regal nature of his princehood and his time in the palace in order to serve uh, the, 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 the Hebrews and be the vessel of God to help them uh, be delivered from the hands of the Pharaoh. Jesus is now humbling him himself uh, by, uh, by stepping down from his divine throne and divine place in heaven and finding himself entering the ranks of evil sinners. And standing with them, standing in solidarity with them, preparing to sacrifice himself in such a way that we all benefit from his presence. Uh, I heard an old preacher say that he, he 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 came down from his heavenly throne. He wrapped himself in human flesh. He he ate like us. He, he, he slept like us. He grew tired and grew weary like us. He, he wrapped his his beautiful divinity and humanity in order to take on the sins of the world. And so like Moses gave up his his pretty place in the palace, Jesus Christ is allowing himself, himself to be counted amongst humans. But most importantly, uh, this stands as another act of obedience to God, the Father. The early readers would have understood this to, uh, to, to be connected to how God was pleased when the Israelites would be obedient to his his word. That, that that there was that there, there, that Jesus Christ was being obedient to his Father, and thus uh, Father God is declaring that you are my Son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. The interesting thing about that, based on the tense that marks that Mark used in this language, we see uh, that this is a conversation between. God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, It is is, apparent uh, that no one else notices the heavens being torn open. It's apparent that no one else is hearing God speak directly to Jesus Christ. No one saw the Holy Spirit's dissension. And so to those who were outside looking in, this seemed as though it was just another human being being baptized. But brothers and sisters, as readers, we have the privilege and the benefit of of being entered into a conversation between God and his father where we see that God is honoring his obedience. And so Mark then is establishing Once again, for the reader, and I believe for us, in those moments where we question who Jesus Christ is, that he is the bearer of the Holy Spirit, and he is the Son of God. But the next thing we see is this. In verse 12, it says, at once the spirit sent him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended to him. The interesting thing is that there is such a stark contrast from the early creation story of a beautiful peaceful garden where lions lay with lamb where man was able to allow the animals just to walk up to him and he named them this paints a very different picture because we see that at once, that after the moment that Jesus was baptized, he was sent to be tempted. Now our other gospel writers gives us more details about the 40 days and the 40 nights. It gives us more insight into uh, the ways that Satan attempted to tempt Jesus Christ and all of the tools that he tried to use. Mark does not... Uh, bother with any of that. He simply points us to the fact that soon after uh, he, uh, in his obedience to the Father's will uh, and, is, and, and is endowed with the Holy Spirit, and as he dwells in the waters of baptism, and God makes this proclamation that you are my Son, whom I love and of whom I am well pleased, that shortly after that, uh, the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. I think that there is a a, 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 a a parenthetical pause that we can make right now for us to consider one thing. That I know that we are uh, often times um, encouraged by uh, how much our father God loves us and the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on the cross. But what this text reminds me of is that when we are obedient, that when we are obedient to the word of God and we are obedient to the mission that he has for us, when we step into the calling and the places that he has brought us to, that we find favor, that we are reminded that he loves us, but oftentimes it comes with a wilderness attached to it. I believe that many of us struggle because as we consider what it means to live lives of faith, we often do what we can to avoid those wildernesses. I don't know if wildernesses is the word, but we do what we can to avoid the wilderness. But we see even our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, who was loved by his father, who pleased his father, even in his senses and his times of obedience, was sent into the wilderness. And as we as believers strive to be Christlike, as we say things like we want to be like Christ, we want to live like Jesus Living like Jesus and being like Christ means that our faith journey will often take us from the water to the wilderness. The interesting thing about this is because we know that Jesus' time in the wilderness, Satan, was not able to tempt him, that he stayed faithful, that his enemies challenged him, and he defeated his enemies. But the very next thing that we see is that after Jesus Christ comes out of the wilderness and John finds himself in a prison, Jesus goes into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. He goes into Galilee saying the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. He is calling people to turn away from sin And believe in the good news. Brothers and sisters, one of the things that I see as a result of this is that as Jesus stayed faithful to his mission and trusted in God, even though he went through a period of wilderness, even though he went through challenges, he still had the love and faith to proclaim the good news in spite of. Brothers and sisters, one of the things that I want us to take from this is to understand, like my mom would say, listen, fat meat is greasy. No matter how hard we try, if we are living faithfully into the call that Jesus Christ has for us, we cannot avoid the wilderness. But if we remain faithful in the wilderness, what we can do is come out with our hands held high, with our chest poked out, proclaiming the good news of the gospel that the time has come and that the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near. What we can glean from this text is Jesus Christ made his way to the cross is that no matter what happened, no matter what challenges came his way, because of his faith in God because of his obedience to his father that he was able to proclaim the good news of the gospel and watch the world be transformed around him. Brothers and sisters, as we make our way from water to wilderness, what is first and foremost important is that we live in such a way that we can proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God That is marked by obedience and faithfulness and the reality that no matter what challenges may come, we will make it. That part of the good news is understanding that there may be times where things are rough, but those rough times will not be our end. Because even as Jesus journeys to the cross, we know that the cross was not the end of the story. And so as Mark tailors this gospel to help establish the the, the personhood of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ uh, is the bearer of the Holy Spirit, that Jesus Christ is is the Son of God, the promised Messiah, the Son who God loved and was pleased by, the Son of God and the Messiah who had the power to defeat the attack of the enemy and then proclaim the goodness and the coming of the kingdom. That we too, if we desire to truly be like Christ, must endure for the sake of our obedience the wilderness to transition from those peaceful moments where it feels as if God is so close that we can see the Holy Spirit active and moving around us as if it's descending on us like a dove but also be reminded that at times Our faith and and the spirit inside of us will lead us to places that feel like a wilderness where we're being attacked by Satan and surrounded by wild animals. But the scripture tells us that Jesus, like uh, in verse 13, that he was attended to by angels. Like those Hebrew boys who were in the furnace last week, they were attended to by an angel. Brothers and sisters, God doesn't send us into the wilderness alone that he will send his angels to attend to us and care for us so that we like Jesus Christ even in the midst of hardship can proclaim the good news of the gospel the kingdom of God has come near repent and believe the good news from water to wilderness That's our journey. As we prepare uh, to end our time together today, may we be reminded uh, wherever we find ourselves on our journey, whether uh, in this season it feels like the peaceful uh, peaceful warm waters uh, of Baptisms and 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 the and the peaceful imagery of doves descending down, or if life feels like a wilderness, that no matter what place we find ourselves in, uh, that God is with us. God is with you. God is with me. So as we prepare to go, let the grace of God and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide between each of us until we gather together. Amen.